Hello, I'm Samia Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher, author, filmmaker, and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is Sebastian Brocher. He's an artist, entrepreneur, engineer, and the founder of Studio Uno, Crypto Art, and Chimichurri. I met Sebastian on the Proof Collective Discord, and we got to talking about generative art, and I thought I should really introduce him to my audience. So Seb, how uh, did you get started with art in general? Tell me a little bit about yourself, because I came into Proof and I saw your name as one of the artists and, uh, you know, then I saw you sometimes posting. So how did you get started and how did you make it to the point where you actually became a Proof artist? What does it mean to be a Proof artist? So let's start with your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited uh, to chat and uh, be here. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, originally from Argentina. Uh, I'm an engineer by career, artist uh, by heart. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur. Uh, and so I have this uh, a little bit of, of, of uh, fun mix going on. Um, and, um, you know, in, in, in terms of art, I, I always been like very creative. Uh, and um, my formal education on art is actually music. I studied uh, piano for five years. Um, and so uh, that uh, I, I actually never studied visual arts, but I always had like, uh, you know, kind of deep admiration. And, um, you know, it, it uh, m- most of my kind of start on, on what would be like visual arts is, is really linked to computer science, right? Um, so it's it's kind of this, mix of engineering and and creativity uh kind of with with mix of, of the music background right that that really drives it um but um you know from uh from like from an inspiration perspective most of the themes are either uh computer science right um so trying to visualize or or, 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 or trying to kind of tell the story about uh in technology and, and, and different kind of computer science concepts. Uh, so I have different work that you know, kind of builds on that. Uh, but I also get inspired a lot by kind of other engineering or mathematics uh, science topics in general, right? Like, I, you know, if you look at my sketchbook, I have a bunch of different ideas and a lot of them are actually either coming from like science or math or computer science or engineering or physics, um, you know, anywhere from like the universe and, a, you know, the end body problem or like a physics problem all the way to some uh, you know, algorithmic uh, uh, problem and in between um, and also sometimes nature um, as well. So th- those are kind of ins- my inspirations as, uh, uh, you know, as far as art goes and like really how it came to be. It's, it's, it's kind of this, uh, to me, it's like this, this really, really fun space where I get to mix both my artistic creativity and inspiration with, the engineering that's kind of uh, my sweet spot that's really super interesting i'm also deeply into everything to do with uh you know technology physics um you know the universe uh, all that stuff um you probably have seen some of my posts on uh you know the proof discord and sometimes talking yeah. about you know like the simulation theory and 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 um you know physics and stuff um so how does one become a digital artist? Oh, you said that you know you're both an engineer and an artist. Would you say you are more of an engineer or more of an artist? Oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> uh, if you are a digital artist, I'm guessing you need to be yeah almost equally bo- bo- both. But at the same time, yeah, there must be one side that's kind of like stronger, like more prominent. Yeah. Well, I guess I spend a little bit more of my time in, you know, entrepreneurial and engineering activities in general. Uh, but maybe what I like the most uh, is more of my artistic part of the, yeah, the equation, right? So I actually enjoy more doing art. Uh, but, you know, like, uh, so Web3 has changed this drastically, right? And then we can go into that. But like, basically, you know, um, having, you know, being successful in art is very, very difficult, right? Uh, you have that kind of power load type distribution where, you know, very, very few folks 
make it, you know, to have like a significant income and like have like a good living and they can actually focus on art, right? Uh, and then you have this huge long tail of like some extremely talented artists, right? Like that never make it and they all have to have like, you know, like a side gig or some other job or end up, you know, ditching or doing other things that they may or may not like, or may just do it just so that they can support themselves, right? So I think from growing up, like from my early childhood, my heart was really into, you know, becoming a musician, becoming an artist. But then, you know, my, my brain was like, hey, I, I want to be successful. I want to be comfortable and live, live, you know, live a good life. And, you know, the kind of uh, social fabric kind of starts pushing you, you know, as you grow as a kid, you're like super creative. You're like three, four years old and you're growing, growing all over the place. And then as you start maturing, like kind of that uh, social fabric start, you know, pushing a lot of people towards like more kind of safe, uh, in safe beds, so to speak, right? <laughs> like, hey, uh, engineering sounds pretty safe, and I really, really enjoy it as well. So, I think that's uh, probably what happened. So, at that time, when you uh, when you started going into engineering, you didn't know that one day you will be able to um, combine your passion for uh, art with engineering. You didn't know that, did you? You've discovered it later. I didn't know that I was um, going to be able to, you know be successful in um, you know, making any money with art. <laughs> uh, but I knew it was possible, like the intersection was there because as a kid, I had already like programmed music on like the Commodore computer. Um, so there were, uh, there was a lot of inspiration already and an exploration of like what you can do with computers in terms of computer graphics and music, even early on for me. Um, as a kid, right? Like, so, but I would just do it for fun. It was like never, you know, meant to be a serious thing. Like, you know, when like you used to play around with like the, uh, you know, music software like Cakewalk and like some of the old, you know, um, digital, you know, audio workstations and, you know, hardware just for fun. Like, I would compose music, compose music and record it. I had a band with you know, friends and, you know, play the piano all the time. But if, but all my artistic endeavors at, at the time were just for fun, even if, like I may, you know, play live in some, you know, little gig or something. It was just for fun. Um, it was I never considered it a career. Um, so I was always into, you know, entrepreneurship and engineering uh was kept my career and art was just something that I did for fun on the side. Uh I knew there were intersections, but I never thought about it as like, hey, that's part of my career, right? It was kind of like, hey, I can use computers to help with my art and vice versa, right? Like my artistic inspiration sometimes happen, uh, you know, bring ideas in, in, in the field of engineering as well, right? Uh, but I never thought about that combination as part of being a, actually part of my career, right? It was kind of two different worlds, like this is my job, this is my career, and this is something I do for fun, you know, after. So how did you discover uh, that you could combine the two? And, and can you explain in the process as you're, you're um, explaining that, what is actually, what is um, generative art? What is digital art? And uh, when did this start to become um, something of interest to people that they decided that, you know, that this is valuable, that, um, you know, to, to pay for and to kind of think of as art? There's a lot of a lot there. Like, let's try and unpack it, right? So, like, uh, in terms of like generative art, I I like to think about it in very broad terms, right? Like, kind of the more classic type of understanding, or not definition, because it's yeah, I, I don't know, it's not easy to like define it, right? But the way I think about generative art is this idea of as an artist. What you do is um, you don't necessarily create the art, but you create a system and that system can react to its environment, right? So, you know, whatever input signal that is, it could be as simple as, you know, a, a, a sculpture that is reacting to the light from the sun, right? And then you can, you know, see some art being formed in the shape and the textures and the colors and however that is designed to provoke that, right? Uh, so it can be as simple as that, or it can be, you know, a, a more sophisticated version of that. So like you, um, you know, people used to like hack the old cameras, right, and and change them so that they would produce uh, art instead of like the quality of the photograph that they would typically take, right? Um, so that's also for me generative art, right? Like your your the artist is building a system 
and then the system is absorbing input signals from the environment and producing art as the output, right? Um, so that's kind of like the more, I think, a broader definition of generative art, right? You know, as we move on to Web3, uh, you know, that uh, that input tends to be um, in other data or, or, or some random uh, variable, right? Um, so um, a lot of the generative art that you see on Web3, on NFTs, uh, as uh, basically um, algorithmic versions of those systems, right? They are algorithms. And uh, most of the times the input comes from a randomly generated uh, value. Uh, many times that randomly generated value is generated by the blockchain itself, right? Not all the times. And then, uh, you know, what's produced on, on the output sometimes is visual in terms of, you know, it may be a still image painting or it can be animated. Right. Or you can actually be uh, music as well, right? Sound. Um, so you have artists that that have done that, and also a combination of both, right? Or whatever media uh, you can generate, right? Um, so that's kind of more of like, uh, I guess, the 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 take of, of, for me in terms of um, generative art on on the blockchain or Web three, right? Um, the the overarching principle still applies, right? Like the input can come from different places, and the output can come from I can go into different places and be stored uh, differently as well, right? But um, the uh, the underlying idea of like using NFTs or ERC seventy one to um, get store that represents the art and all interoperability and you know provenance and all the you know the immutability and everything that uh, comes with it, right? Um, so that's kind of how I think in terms of like generative art, generative art NFTs. And, and Web3 NFTs in general, right? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. It does make sense. Do you think the fact that you were quite early in this space, um, it, it helped you become established as an artist? Do you think, like, for example, if you started now, you would find it harder? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot more players, right? Uh, a lot more noise, right? And uh, so it's harder. It's harder for um, you know artists that uh, aren't already well known to become known on the space, right? Because there's already that many. So um, and that's actually something I'm working on on one of my projects right now. We can we can touch touch on that later. Uh, but I actually have an art platform where um, it's called Studio Uno, where um, a big part of it is helping up and coming artists, and kind of lifting them out and like curating new artists and. You know, those up and coming artists that are having a hard time to to get on the space, right? There's also, you know, you know, obviously uh, not uh, like a level play field for everyone, right? Some folks have less access to, you know, the money to mint or, you know, to computers or the knowledge or online access. And so there's also, you know, that's another problem, right? Uh, but even for those that do have the access and everything, it's still hard, right, to, to get. So definitely... Yeah, definitely helps to have been, you know, early in the space for sure. How do you think people should go about understanding the value of generative art? Look, I'm not an artist. I don't understand art very well. So so you're talking to a, a somebody who is completely not just new to this space. Like, you know, it's not about how long you've been in it. It's about whether you really apply yourself to going deeply into, um, you know, understanding um, this type of art and uh, being able to look at something and say, yeah, this is why it's so valuable, right? Like what makes some generative art more valuable than others? Other than the fact that there's the artist that is um, established, you know, there was a, when I wrote a book about the future of work, it's called uh, Career Fear and How to Beat It. And in it, I talk about um, this example of art that was generated completely by, you know, uh, by code, by computers, but like not, no, no human, um, mm. uh, you know, intervention. And in, uh, in many cases, when it was displayed in a, exhibition uh, next to work that is created by humans not only people couldn't tell the difference but in many cases they thought that um the the art that wasn't created by humans was nicer and you know people would buy it for a higher price 
So, um, so it, what, what makes art art? Uh, and how do we value it if it's, you know, generated by computers? Yeah, yeah, excellent question. So, yeah, I think like as long as there's the intent, right, and the creativity, um, then it is art, right? Like, I don't think, you know, we should be very restrictive on how we define what is or what is an art, right? Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, if, if there's one person that is touched by that, uh, you know, art piece, then it has accomplished its mission, right? Um, in the different artists make art for different purposes, right? And different pieces or collections of, of theirs also have different purposes, right? So some of my collections were very purposeful, right? And some others are more like just, and I'm trying to do my best at that, right? Um, but um, in terms of how we value it, uh, you know, I'm definitely not an expert either, uh, but, you know, I, I I would share maybe some some of the things that I, you know, I'm a collector as well, right? Like, so some of the things I, I, I look at, right? Personally, uh, first off, I have to like it personally, right? So if I don't like the work, then, uh, I don't typically collect it, right? You know, there's so there's some collectors that are more like speculative in nature, and that's fine, right? That, that's just not what I do, right? Like, so I have to subjectively, personally like it if I'm going to collect something. Um, but uh, you know, beyond that, which you know, you can't quantify that. Really. <laughs> then obviously, you, there's there's some data points that you can look at, but like, is it a well-known artist? What has you know been his previous work? What has his or her previous work sold for, right? If if it was like a one of one or like part of a collection, how many editions or and so on and so on, right? So if you do have those data points, that is always like very, very helpful, right? Uh if you don't, then it, it becomes a little trickier, right? Uh if if that artist is, you know, a traditional artist that also helps, obviously, and you get like similar data points, although maybe maybe harder to find them, right? Or you can still hopefully find them. But if it's like a more of a known artist, uh, right, then, um, then you can start trying to get to that by proxy, right? Like, um, has he collaborators? You collaborated with other artists? Or, you know, what else have they done in their career? Um, or which platforms, you know, in the case of NFTs or Web3, have they published them, right? So obviously, uh, platforms that, you know, are heavily curated and where other, you know, really big artists are published are going to carry some implicit value in those works, right? Like, so if you have uh, an Artblocks uh, project, for instance, there's already in some some immediate values just by being on Artblocks because uh, so I, I actually published a, a project on Artblocks and, you know, just kind of being in the platform, right? It, it's a whole process, right? Like you, there's a there's application, there's, there's a, a process to get in as an artist, and then there's a process to submit your work as an artist and then there's a curation board that will review and class you know the project and, and so on and so on right so that's another way you can go at it at, at, at valuing it right uh, after that it gets trickier and trickier uh, but you know it depends on the on the genre you can also try and see uh, the skills right uh, so in terms of you know kind of the more traditional skills like uh, you know you can Think of, and, I'm, and again, I'm not an expert at all here, but, you know, can you look at the brushwork? You know, what is the perspective? What is the overall balance of the work, the composition? Like, does it look like in harmony? Does it, you know, follow, you know, are the colors pleasant? Does it follow, like, you know, a good balance of, like, colors and theory at the, at the shades? You know, like, what is what is the actual, you know, message? What do you feel like? You know, there's all these things that you can kind of try and, you know, different angles from which you can try to appreciate the art, right? What drives your attention initially? And then are there other things that you discover as you're kind of appreciating that artwork for a little while? And all these little things, like this is kind of like just kind of going back to some basics, right? Uh, but obviously on, on generative art itself, then, you know, you might be uh, trying to look at the technique, right? Are, um, you know, are they using some of the kind of classic techniques or algorithms, right? And if they do, are they doing a good job at it? Or is it kind of, you know, a copy of something that you've already seen? And then obviously it's going to be a little less valuable um, than if it's, you know, something like completely innovative, right? So I guess there, there are some parameters that you can look at to try and, um, you know, kind of think through. Tell me a little bit about becoming a proof artist. 
what was the process how does that happen um you know i'm trying to kind of understand what that means exactly being a proof artist so my reference or comparison in my head is like being an, a Steinway artist. So, um, because I've worked with Steinway, so I know that process. So like, um, if Steinway is like, you know, the pinnacle of, um, musical instruments, I'm guessing, you know, we could think that, you know, proof has been the pinnacle of, um, web three art space and, and support for artists so with steinway it's like first of all you need to have a steinway you can't be a steinway artist if you don't own a steinway and then you need to be only making a living from music you know you need to reach a certain level of excellence and, and recognition so is it similar but how does that work and how many proof artists are there do you know yeah, so first off, I, I'd love to have a sign way. <laughs> I, I, but I, I do love my Yamaha, uh, for the record. But <laughs> uh, the, um, yeah, so so for me, I don't know if there's like different uh, classifications within it, but for me, it was a very organic and like very um, natural process, right? So what happened to me, uh, and I like, I can't speak for others because I, I, I really don't know, but um, yeah, what happened to me was like, um, Kevin, so uh, Kevin Ross, who's the co-founder, um, and by the way, love growth. It's an amazing community. I love spending my time there. Uh, and I've learned so much uh, from so many folks in there, including yourself. Like, it's it's just wonderful, right? And love connecting with everyone there. I've uh, been following the project since, you know, kind of day one and the whole ecosystem around Proof. And it's, it's really wonderful. Everything they created, it's, it's amazing. And for me, it was very organic. Like I was saying, uh, Kevin um, took interest in my original collection, uh, CryptoArty collection. And uh, him and I chatted a couple of times. And he's like, hey, you want to be on the show? I'm like, yeah, of course, would love to. Uh, it, was, it was huge, huge help in terms of, you know, kind of uh, bringing awareness uh, to, to my work and, and, and my art. And um, it's just like, it's so general. So it's like so nice to, you know, uh, interact with. And um, he was, you know, super helpful he's like yeah i'll get you in the show and then after being on the show he invited me to their discord that they had early on which was basically like just some of his friends and um, you know some really big names on the space and uh, uh a few other artists and um, previous uh podcast uh guests right from from his show so like i was really really lucky to find myself and within you know all this like incredibly talented and successful folks and um one day he's like hey we're gonna do proof uh, so what's proof and then so you know proof launched and that discord kind of evolved into what proof is today so the artists um that were there because they were previous uh hosts like basically were uh, granted this roles so right like and so that's really all that happened there was no you know application or it was very organic um so i guess somehow curated by the team but they were like hey we'll give you the role i'm like yeah great um and that's it there's no you know no formalities or no commitment or no process or application at least that's how it happened to me but maybe now it's different because obviously you know fans kind of <laughs> blew up right <laughs> like now it's gigantic right so i uh, may be a little bit different now but that's how it happened uh very grateful that you know that it happened yeah that's that's sweet so were you part of the first grails and can you um for people who are listening to this who have no idea what grails is um, can you explain a little what it is? Yeah, sure. So I was not part of uh, the first Grails. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, project uh, from Proof. And so the concept is that uh, all the Proof members get to mint a Grail, right? And a Grail is uh, an artwork, a, a piece by one of the participating artists. Uh, so we have 25 artists that are submitting work. Um, those are artists that are invited by by proof, right? And then um, we also submit work, and um, then uh, the proof collective uh, members get to mint them, right? They get to pick one, and uh, but they don't know who the artist is, right? Like, and that's a that's a lot of fun for sure. I mean, we kind of like go on weeks trying to speculate and uh, and guess who the artist might be, and sometimes. The community is right and sometimes it's wrong <laughs> so it, it's a lot of fun to watch i really enjoy it i uh, i mint mine uh, on the first one it was uh uh from uh what is real and i, I really like the piece and so really happy with it and excited to see the the second one now getting started yeah super exciting 
Um, so when you as an artist, when you are in the proof discord, the artists have got a green, like a bright green color for, for their color code for their names. What does that do for you, you know, being there? And now that the discord has expanded, thanks to Moonbirds, does that give you more exposure and how has that impacted you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, so from the moment that the, the crypto art episode went on the proof podcast, that was already like a huge help, right? Um, just by you know Kevin's following and like his, you know, his audience, he's done an amazing job at helping artists gain more exposure, right? And and help them tell their stories and like that's that's really really helpful. I, I feel blessed to to be there and to be part of proof collective and i'm also a member i'm still a holder as well uh and i love i just love being there and, and yeah it's, it's very very helpful actually to you know it's not that color it's also you know you get access to like artist channels where you can post your work um and just being able to put um you know your work in front of uh, you know such a curated um you know community uh that really cares uh for the space and for art and it's genuine um and just being able to interact with everyone there, I just learned so much just for being there, right? Like interacting with folks from different natures. Like, as you know, we have, you know, folks with varied backgrounds, right? All the way from entrepreneurs to um, artists, to engineers, to, you know, um, traders, to, you know, doctors. And like, it's just that such an amazing group, right? So yeah, I mean, it's super valuable. Uh, I guess from many angles, just like the, you know, shared exposure and, and recognition, uh, but also, you know, kind of the feedback and the learning and the interaction and seeing, you know, how everyone thinks about, um, you know, so many different topics and different, you know, artwork and artists. And it's, it's been incredibly helpful for sure. And, you know, as I'm building now, we're building an, uh, an art platform, right? It's, you know, it's a pretty ambitious goal that we have to, you know, really have up and help up and coming artists and make a very, uh, innovative platform we can chat more about later but uh, also want to bring um, more of established artists as well right and like we're, we're working on building different models uh, to kind of hopefully do both things right to get the really kind of more established artists to publish on the platform because that elevates everyone right but also help up and coming artists right getting discovered and giving them exposure so in a sense I'm also doing a similar thing from that perspective right uh, but uh, yeah, I'm like super appreciative and like, you know, super thankful for being there. And like, it's, it's obviously given me a little bit of a platform that, uh, you know, otherwise I, I wouldn't have had, right. Um, there's a lot of platforms out there where you can kind of self-publish, right. Like, so, you know, platforms like OpenSea, Arrival, they're amazing, they're great, but, uh, you know, then as an artist, you're kind of on your own on marketing your, your work, right. Um, there's other platforms um, that do a little bit more for you, like, you know, maybe like foundation is a little bit, you know, that's a couple more things for you, but not not that much, really. You still need to kind of market your work and, and your name. And you have other platforms that will do a lot more, like Artblocks, right? Then you get a lot more credibility, you get a lot more exposure, it'll do like a Twitter spaces and it's kind of being on that platform and kind of elevates your brand and, and um you know, you get exposure to their collectors, right? Um, but you know, there's other other communities like Proof that also you know help you, um, you know, kind of build your audience and and get more established, right? So, well, it's all helpful. It's all there's very different, I guess, um, platforms and different you know different spaces, obviously. Do you find that people really care about the artist? You know, like in the in the discord uh, like i how how does it feel for you when um when people look at the art and like they just think about um you know the price and um what they can sell it for or if they're keeping it you know the the prices it plays such a big part um is that stressful how, how does it feel yeah um so most of the times i don't pay attention to the price my art is selling for. Uh, I try not to, <laughs> um, you know, uh, people obsessed with, you know, floor prices and floor price per se, it's already like a metric that doesn't say much, right? Because anyone you can go and list something for whatever they want, right? Um, doesn't mean that it's sold for that or that will sell for that, right? 
So that's to start with. The uh, the stressful part, I would say, only comes when you know you you know as soon as you have like a, a, any you know significant size community, there will always be someone that's unhappy in, in the Web three world, right? Like it doesn't matter how good you are, or how amazing your project is, or how transparent or honest. Like it's just a matter of you know, there will be fat. <laughs> like somebody will fight the project or something or the art. Uh, and, you know, it just kind of comes with the space, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, with the time, you kind, of, uh, you kind of learn to, you know, ignore some of the naysayers, but here the ones that have, like, you know, constructive criticism. So, like, sometimes I get some of, you know, my collectors or fans that, you know, will will have a valid point. It's like, hey, uh, Seb, why didn't you, I don't know, do I ruffle for this instead of allocate it to? I was like, oh yeah, I guess that would have been a better approach, right? And so you just learn, and I'm always more than open to. You know, I have my own Discord, and we have about three thousand or something folks in there. Uh, not all active, of course, but um, you know, I listen to them all the time. We have channels that are for collectors only, where you have to hold, uh, for instance, like a crypto artist or a given number of crypto artists to be in that channel. And obviously, those are kind of a little bit more intimate because it's like a smaller group, right? And you have the public uh, where like everybody's welcome to come and participate and give feedback. And like, um, yeah, as an artist, uh, at the beginning, it was sometimes a little frustrating when, you know, somebody will come and like, you know, from like a pure speculative, you know, play, you know, you know, it's a difference, right? Like, where's like somebody coming from like a, a pure speculative place is like, hey, the floor went down. I was like, well. And so, like, <laughs> this is never an investment I make. All this was art, right? Like, my art still remains the same. It hasn't changed, right? Um, you're choosing to, you know, treat it as, you know, an speculative asset was your own decision. And that's, you know, and that's fine. Like, go do that. But don't come to me telling me it went down, right? Um, you know, so that that's the part that I would say at the beginning, maybe sometimes it was stressful because, you know, you have all this other actors, you know, they, it, I'm out of control. Like I don't control if somebody's trying to do a pump and dump or somebody's, you know, trying some crazy things that may not be true or may be true or whatever, right? Like it's just part of the space, right? And then with time, like you learn as an artist to like kind of, you know, um, you just ignore some of the <laughs> naysayers and the conversations that aren't like meaningful or constructive, right? And really pay attention to, uh, you know, your fans that really, yeah, you know, are, are worth it and like are true fans and like, you know, really care for for the art or, or or for the projects or, or for the artists, right? And there's tons of those. The only little problem is that the, the other five are super loud, right? <laughs> so he always like typically have those very, very small. And then this is across like most of the communities, right? Like you always have like a very small handful of people that either because they have their own agenda or because whatever, right? They all like, you know, the naysayers and they're typically very loud. And then you just have, have to learn to ignore them or, you know, let them be or ban them or whatever. Definitely, it must, yeah, I can only imagine how stressful it must be as an artist because like you have to, especially when you start out, right? Because you have to focus on your craft and um, and now you also have to market yourself and you have to also worry about, you know, the floor price dropping and, and all of that stuff. What does a day in the life of Seb look like <laughs> you know, what, what do you do like you wake up in the morning okay I'm gonna make myself a coffee and then I'm gonna sit down and and like you know um so you just sit behind the computer all day coding and and creating um art is that is that what it looks like because yeah, you said it, that yeah. you're an entrepreneur as well so tell me about that part yeah yeah so that actually actually plays a big role for me that's a little bit different right because um you know, for artists that are up and coming and artists, all they're trying to do or, or you know, they're trying to make a living out and like that's all they do. It actually is a lot more stressful, right? It's a lot more uh, difficult, right? Because um, like, you know, you put yourself in their shoes and like they're going to try and like make the art. Then they may have to actually pay some ETH to mint it depending on the platform they're using, right? And then they have to market it and then they have to wait and then maybe, just maybe, if they get lucky, they may sell the work, right? And then maybe they have to pay to accept the, uh, you know, the offer, depending on the platform as well. And then after all is said and done, they may have some profits uh, or not, right? <laughs> and so they like definitely a very very stressful, um, you know, proposition. Unless you're already well off, unless you already made it, then it's different, right? 
But for artists up and coming, it's actually really tough, right? Because just the mental stress of like, you know, you're kind of producing all this work. You don't really know if you're going to sell it or not or how much you're going to sell it for, how long is it going to take and so on and so on, right? So you, you see why like a lot of artists, they are always, you know, talking about, you know, mental health as well as accessibility and, you know, inclusion, diversity, all, all of these topics come because there's a reason why, right? Like it is actually not, not as easy and, you know, it's not all roses, right? Uh, but, um, you know, in my case, it's different, right? Like, so I'm very grateful and, you know, lucky that, you know, I, I've had like an entrepreneurial and engineer's career that's been, you know, relatively successful, you know, I, I built about seven different businesses um, and, you know, had my uh, share of uh, quite a few of those that I had to close. They, you know, I don't call them failures because, you know, you're, you're a fellow entrepreneur, you know, you just learn and get better. And then, you know, sometimes it's timing, sometimes it's business model, sometimes it's, you know, whatever it is, right? Like it's, it's just natural, then only a few will make it, right? Um, so you just learn and keep learning, but I've had success. And like uh, my typical day nowadays, what I do is I have a software development agency and uh, so we have a, a business that I founded in 2015 uh, that started as a product company, actually. The, the product, the technology of the product, the platform kind of worked, the business model didn't. So we pivoted into services, um, which was part of the original uh, value of you know, the versus services component to the company. We pivoted into a full uh, service business. And so we have about, uh, you know, kind of, we been up to like 15 developers there's a friend of uh, of mine we're a good very good close friend of mine he's our cto and i'm, I'm founder and ceo and so we run this business from texas and uh, we have about 10 to 15 developers in latin america and we build custom software mostly for entrepreneurs and uh, for kind of visionary entrepreneurs and early stage startups well a couple of larger clients as well but our our focus is in 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 you know very early stage uh, companies and entrepreneurs and nowadays we're doing a lot of web three, um, so we actually done the technology behind many many uh, different web three projects, and I also advise uh, a few companies in the space. So that's kind of my main focus from career perspective. Uh, you know that probably takes me anywhere from like five six hours of my day, and then the rest. I, I spend it uh, creating and doing art. Uh, and somewhere in between there, I, I also work on my own art platform, which is a separate business. Uh, it's called Studio Uno. So the, the software development company is called Jimmy Churi. The art platform is called Studio Uno. And, you know, we kind of balance that a little bit. And then, um, then whatever time I have left, I work on my own art uh, as well. Nice. So what, tell me about the Studio Uno. What, what, what's that about? Yeah, yeah. So Studio Uno is a new uh, NFT art platform where uh, we're trying to solve some of the challenges for those up-and-coming artists. And we're trying to build kind of a, uh, a different art platform. It's uh, very inclusive, diverse. Um, the Studio Uno name comes from like it's kind of one studio for all, right? Um, and so our first project was called Norte. And the idea there is I, I explored co-creation with our, our collectors. So as a generative artist, I built a generative art, but I also gave control to our collectors and our community to input some of those variables into the programs to alter uh, the artwork, right? So they get to co-create with me and also all together as they're creating the collection, right? Um, so this one, you can still mint it. Um, it's, it's at studiouno.io. And that's the first project that I created to kind of bootstrap the company. I've been basically bootstrapping and investing my own funds on, on building the platform. And uh, as we did that, uh, we're now to the point where we can actually launch other projects. And so there's, uh, there's a couple of projects, upcoming projects that we've been working on for a while. Um, and it's going to be two projects that are intertwined. Um, can can share too much yet but, but but soon enough um one project will have mostly all of it be my own art um and then the other project will be all by participating artists so we are acquiring uh, art uh, from artists that we're inviting into the project currently we already acquired a few there's others on the work and uh, yeah it's, it's going to be some fun dynamics in between 
you know, we're trying to find this balance where we bring in artists uh, from all over the place, uh, a lot of them up and coming, and uh, not only generative artists, but, uh, you know, a variety of different styles. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's in the works. It's, it's exciting. What's the future for you in Web3? What, what do you think will happen to generative art uh, in this space? And, and what kind of impact do you want to have on this space as new people come into it? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, hmm. okay, so, so with the platform, with Studio Uno, my, uh, my ideal would be that, it, you know, it, uh, it continues to grow and we can really make a difference uh, for lots of high and coming artists, right? Like to really make a difference to them. Uh, we're, we're barely now starting to work with other artists, right? And that's really, really exciting. We're putting together the team. We have a couple advisors and uh, we're bringing in uh, more talent soon. We have you know, one engineer that has been working on it for a while as well. And, uh, you know, my CTO and I as well. Uh, so again, kind of building out the team and, um, you know, we're going to be publishing more projects. One of the big differences that we're, you know, with other platforms that we're going for, and that's kind of where I see that future, right, of generative art going is that uh, our platform is not, so every project is different, right? So, you know, most of the platforms, they can, they basically have like one very generic smart contract that is capable of managing multiple projects, right? Which is great in terms of it being scalable and, and you know, as great for a business model as well. Uh, but it's not great from an artistic perspective, right? Uh, because uh, what I see happening a lot is that, you know, you have a lot of artists that not necessarily understand or, or, or can, you know, build on the technology, right? Because uh, it's challenging, it's difficult, it's, it's not easy, right? And then you have a lot of developers uh, and engineers that uh, understand the technology really well and can build on the space, but don't necessarily have the artistic uh, you know, either scales or, or, or inspiration, let us say, right? Um, so um, what I'm trying to do is build a platform that, you know, the, 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 the technologists and the artists really work together, right? So the way I like to describe this is imagine it's like you're, you're an artist, I give you this canvas, right? Like, and it's like this black canvas uh, or, or white canvas, 12 by 12, right? And like, hey, you got to paint me here, right? And here's your materials and here's your brushes and here's your colors. And you're like, okay, well, I have some freedom within that, right? But my boundaries have been uh, described, right? Like you can paint outside that canvas, right? Or use other materials. Uh, and I imagine as an artist, I come and say, um, hey, uh, here's a warehouse. What do you want? What do you need, right? And you have infinite budget, right? Just, just for fun, right? Uh, then the equation completely changes. Right, what you are going to create as an artist is going to be completely different, right? And maybe there will be music and a light and interactivity and different displays and sculptures and like who knows? Right, like the the possibilities are a lot uh, larger, right? The, the combinatorics, right, of what you can build. So the same, uh, the same idea as what you're trying to build is, um, can we? really uh, get creative with the technology as well, right? So that if you're an artist and we work together with you at Studio, you know, we might, oh, <laughs> hi, <laughs> we might, um, you know, we might create a different smart contract and we might create a different user experience and, and backend and all the technology pieces that go together uh, with that NFT collection uh, that enable it to behave completely different, right? An example for Norte is like if, um, you have a note you can actually go and update uh, your artwork. And when you do, sometimes they, uh, the algorithm uh, mutates as well, right? Well, you can't do that on OpenSea. You can't do that on Artworks or like on a, because the smart contract doesn't support it, right? And that's just like one example, right? But there's a lot of things that can be done from the technology um, that can really help project that artistic concept, right? So like the, the artistic concept can actually bleed into the, you know, the technology 
the smart contract, the code, the UX, the backend, and, and, all, and all things. And there's some artists that are doing that, but they're very few and far between because it takes a lot of different skills to be able to do all of those things right by yourself. So what we're trying to do is build teams and build the technology that enable us to work with artists in a more creative and more fluid, more dynamic scenario where we can create very unique projects, which means we are not going to publish, you know, 2,000 projects a year. Obviously, it's going to be a few, a lot, you know, less projects, but each of them is going to be a lot more unique, right? And have their own, you know, their own really like full-blown artistic and technological concept behind them. Uh, but that's just us. That's one of the things, right? Um, you know, I think the platforms will continue to evolve and also give more control to artists as well. And you start seeing that uh, sometimes with uh, like async is one of one a good example. Async art uh, they've done a good job at like building some tools to enable creators to be a little bit more creative with how they mix and match, uh, you know, and, and create the different uh, kind of generative parts of of their work, right? Uh, so a lot of that. Uh, for me, I think I, I will continue to create on my own as well because I love doing that. Um, we were just discussing earlier, uh, I'm into music as well. So I'm actually really excited because uh, we got a larger place. That's why my balls are empty. <laughs> it's, it's a new place, but uh, I'm actually going to be building a recording studio uh, here uh, to, to record and compose a little more music. So I'm excited to get uh, more into music. I've done some NFTs that have music, uh, but definitely it's an area that that I'm passionate about. I want to start uh, doing more of that. So, uh, you know, a little bit of everything. Studio Uno will continue to evolve. We'll bring in more artists, publish more projects, and you'll start seeing more of like the uniqueness of those projects. On the personal side, you can my own artistic career. I'll publish some there. I'll publish other projects on, on other platforms, but I also uh, you know, want to start exploring my, my music uh, side a little bit more. What a life. <laughs> it's very <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you wake up every morning with a passion for what you like and you know, you're, you're doing what you love. Um, this is a real luxury to have, honestly, and it's so nice. You know, I love what I do so much. People always tell me, why do you work so much? And I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm working. I really love it so much. You know, I enjoy it. Uh, and it's, um, yeah, it's the best place to be. Let's hope that, um, you know, more and more artists can um, find their place in this new space, um, you know, in this Web3 space and um, take control of their um, artistic uh, careers and and uh, be able to make a living from it uh, without intermediaries it's a very empowering space and um, I'm hoping that people will listen to this interview and uh, gain inspiration for what is possible and of course you had some luck you were early but luck comes by putting yourself in the right place at the right time right and uh, we are still very early in this space, so there's a lot of opportunity. There are a lot of opportunities uh, for people. So um, yeah, any last words for um, artists listening to this, or or people who are thinking about buying digital um, digital art or generative art? Okay. Absolutely, yeah. So so for artists, I would say you know just go for it. Don't be shy. Uh, you know this space is super welcoming. Uh, you know, connect with fellow artists. Hey, connect with me i'm always happy to help you know like if i can help in any way like and i think you'll find that a lot of the artists on the space are like that as well like i may be busy or whatever like just you know write me now like reply um so yeah just don't be shy the information the knowledge uh it's all out there and it's free right like you can find it in so many different places right like you can learn everything that you need to know to get on web3 and nfts um, just by, you know, just putting in the effort, really, it doesn't, you know, cost much. And you can even get started on like Tesos or Solana if you want to, like, you know, get started with uh, less funds, right? Um, so, yeah, just, you know, as an artist, if you want to, go for it. It's it's all out there. It's easy. There's tons of support. The communities are amazing. And I would, you know, highly recommend it. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, for collectors, you know, um, if it's the first NFT that you're collecting, 
uh, it can be daunting, right? Because there's also a lot to learn. So I would suggest, you know, um, probably get on some discords, talk to some folks, you know, before, you know, you do. Don't start with like anything that's, you know, like a, like a huge percent of your net worth, right? Like buy something that uh, you like uh, and that, um, you know, if you're kind of more on the speculated side, just play with money that you can afford to lose, right? Like if you're buying for yourself as an art piece, then buy something you like, right? If you're kind of getting more into the space of trading, just, you know, make sure that you can afford to lose it until like you start learning a little bit more and, you know, don't, just don't overextend yourself because that's that's where folks get in trouble. And right? so uh, yeah. not financial advice, non-artistic advice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and um, and also it's one of those things that, yeah, that, that applies to everything, whether you're talking about NFTs, whether you're talking about, you know, crypto stocks or whatever, you know, like always just, buy as much as you can actually afford to lose yeah. um where can people find you seb yeah so uh on twitter i'm crypto arte on twitter so crypto and a-r-t-e mm-hmm. uh and you know they can just follow me there um they can just also email me and it's very simple it's hello at cryptoarte.io and that's the website where my original uh collection from 2018 is at it's on cryptoarte.io and then the uh the the art platform is studiouno.io so that's a studio uno.io awesome thank you so much Seb. this was so interesting and uh, i learned so much uh you know the more i get into this space the more i start to appreciate it so uh thank you for being here and for all the work you do yeah thank you so much it's been a real pleasure thank you I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sebastian Brocher. Be sure to check out his work and follow him on Twitter. I will put the links in the show notes. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show.